Goosebumps every time. Uh, uh, extremely difficult act to follow here after that. And so I'm going to need you to bear with me uh, as we just kind of move into our time of teaching. And so if you're new here, if this is your first time at Sheridan Wesleyan Church, if you're here watching the kiddos uh, and you've not been a part of us uh, or this series, uh, here's what we're trying to do. Uh, we typically don't have popcorn in the lobby, although I think it should be a permanent fixture. Uh, the, the, the box office thing, we are uh, kind of taking a different approach to telling the Christmas story. You see, we, we believe wholeheartedly that because this is Jesus' season, because this is Jesus' story, you can't take him out of it no matter how hard you try. And so we're going to look at a series of movies and, and just prove it to you. So we've, we've spent the last couple of weeks talking through some Christmas classics. We went through the Christmas story. Last week was the, uh, the movie Elf. This week is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So a Christmas classic that I think probably all of us here have seen some way, shape, or form. Yes, nod if you... Okay, uh, here's the deal. Before we can move forward, I need to know um, kind of where we are as a church um, and, and what I'm working with here, because I think how you answer this question tells me a lot about who you are as a person. Okay, so there are three versions of the Grinch movie. Three versions. Number one, whose version is whose favorite version is this version? Raise your hand. The Christmas short. I am shocked. Okay, uh, version two. Whose version? I don't, I don't know about this church, people. Uh, version three. Okay, so, so the right answer was the first version. If you rose, raised your hand on any other movie, I, I'm going to pray for you. Like, that's just, that's not right. So, so this, this is a movie uh, in all of its forms, in all of its versions, that is, a, um, uh, it is an adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And, and quite simply, it is a story of a creature or a thing who hates Christmas. Hates Christmas. This is what uh, Dr. Seuss records as he describes kind of uh, the Grinch's disdain for Christmas. But the Grinch, who lived in Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas. The whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just tight. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart, now pay attention, his heart was two sizes too small. Some of these movies have kind of been a stretch for us uh, to talk through how do we correlate the gospel message, our Christmas story, with these movies. And we had to get a little creative. I think it's worked out okay. Uh, this is one of the movies and stories where we don't have to try all that hard to make the connections between the book or the movie and the gospel message. It's there. Plain as day. You just have to know where to look. This is a story about a thing, a creature who has a heart issue. His heart was two sizes too small. His heart was broken. Th this, ladies and gentlemen, this is us. Whether you realize it or not, we have a little bit of the Grinch in us, some of us more than others, right? Like we have that inside of us. The Grinch, or how the Grinch stole Christmas, is simply a caricature of our lives, so you, so you know what a caricature is, right? If you go to the carnival or you go to uh, Six Flags, you've got the booths and they'll, uh, the, uh, the artist pulls you up and, and he looks at you and he takes any distinct flaw or feature and he exaggerates it. And so if you have, really big, if you have big eyes, he'll make them really big. If you have a big head like me, guess what happens when you have a caricature drawn? 
my is ginormous, right? Like they, they, they do it for comedic effect or for a grotesque effect. And that's exactly what How the Grinch Stole Christmas is, I think, for us, our story, and as it correlates to the gospel message. It's a story about a thing, an individual, a creature who has a heart issue. Now, heart issues aren't new to us as followers of Christ or as church-going folk or prospective church-going folk. The Bible talks about this over and over and over again. Jeremiah writes this about the heart. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Above anything else, our heart, my heart, your heart, left to its natural state, is beyond cure. It's not fixable. It's irreparable. And what you have to understand when we talk about a heart that is this damaged and this messed up, you can't fix it on yourself, by yourself. It's beyond cure. There is nothing that you can do to change the state or status of your heart. It's beyond repair, broken. Paul talks about kind of our heart uh, before we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and he, he writes a letter to the Colossians, and, and he, he says this about what the heart is. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So he's talking about the church before they stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So not the earthly nature, not a earthly nature, but yours. It's yours. You were born with it. You inherited he says, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, whether you realize it or not, you, every single one of us in this room, was born with these characteristics, these attributes, these things that make us kind of relatable to the Grinch. We have the same qualities. Now, some of us are able to hide them better than others, but they're there. The seeds of them are there because of the condition of our broken hearts. He continues in verse 8. He says this, but you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. These characteristics that Paul lists about the church before they knew Jesus Christ, it, it mirrors kind of the, the attributes and the characteristics that we know of the Grinch. He portrays these, some of them bigger than others, but, but certainly he, he has that inside of him. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is simply the story of a thing who had a heart issue. His heart was broken, which is really the, need, the reason for this season. So if you've heard the Christmas story, the real Christmas story, it's a story of a God who loved his people so much that he was rich in mercy and abounding in love that he sent his son to die in our place, or, or rather, to pre perform heart surgery, to fix the heart that was beyond repair, to transplant it. That's what the story of the Grinch is. Now, again, it's super important that you understand, before we go into the, the movie one more time, the heart cannot fix itself. You cannot fix your heart. The Grinch could not fix his own heart left to his own accord, okay? You understand? Same page? No, watch what happens here in the book. 3,000 feet up. So, the Grinch has already stolen Christmas from the Who's down in Whoville. 
3,000 feet up, up on the side of Mount Crumpet. He rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Poo-poo to the who's. He was grinchishly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open for a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will cry, boo-hoo. That noise grinned the Grinch that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started out low, and then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It could not be so, but it was very merry. He stared down at Whoville. The, Grinch's, the Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook what he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or another. It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could that be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And then, and what happened in Whoville, they say, now pay attention. The Grinch's heart, small heart, grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he, the Grinch, he himself carved the roast beast. So something happens in this book, this children's fairy tale. Something changes inside the heart of this creature, this thing who detested Christmas. He hated life. He had no love. Had no joy. Certainly didn't have any peace. And I would argue that he was pretty hopeless. But here on the side of this mountain, something changes inside of him. I think Dr. Seuss does a really good job of talking through the what happened. But he leaves some, some openings to talk about the why. So it doesn't specify why the Grinch's heart grew three, th three sizes too small, three sizes bigger. It doesn't specify what happened. But understanding what we understand about God's word and understanding that the heart can't change itself, that it's beyond cure, that we, we can't do it on our own, the cringe can't do it on his home. We, we also understand that because God loved, so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him doesn't perish but have eternal life, that, that he sent his son not to condemn the world but to save the world through him, that, that, that at just the right time, God sent his son to die for us, and that, that very rarely would someone die for a righteous person, though for a righteous person someone might dare to die, that this is how God shows his love for you and me, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because we know all of that, the only logical conclusion I could come to when I try to interpret this silly children's book is that the Grinch must have had an encounter with Jesus Christ on that mountain. That's it. Like, there's no other possibility. Something happened there on the side of Mount Crumpet that changed him from the inside out. And we know he can't do it on his own, so, so what? 
I believe Jesus met the Grinch right then, right there. Now, we don't, we don't know how the seed was planted. Maybe, maybe when he was down in Whoville, someone handed him a, a gospel tract at Walmart. Maybe the, the Grandma Grinch had been praying for him for years, right? And finally it happens. It clicks. And because he encounters Jesus Christ, everything changes. See, that, that's our story here. That's your story and my story. The beauty of the Christmas season is that there isn't any one of us that isn't too far or that is too far gone to be saved. That, that, that doesn't matter how grinchy you are, that, that you were deemed valuable enough to be died for. That God would send his son to stand in the gap for each and every one of us. And what happens when you encounter Jesus, much like I'm assuming the Grinch did, is everything changes. Those attributes that are in our heart naturally, they shift, they change. All of a sudden we have different qualities, different fruits, as it were. This is what Paul says as he continues down into his letter to the Colossians. He says this. Let's do 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's different from anger, malice, greed, filthy language. So, so, so when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, something changes. Something shifts. You get a fresh start. Brand new start. Like, like, like not, not like you, you go back to zero. No, no, you get a fresh start. You're made new. You're redeemed. And, and when you get a fresh start, something else happens. If you go down to verse 13 in Colossians, bear with each other, and forgive one another of any, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So, so once you get a fresh start, guess what happens? You begin seeing things differently. You have a fresh perspective. You see Christmas differently. You see what the Who's down in Whoville are doing in a different light because all of a sudden you are seeing things through the love of Jesus Christ who now resides in your heart because you have been made new, redeemed. You have a fresh start. You now have a fresh perspective. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 13, or 14 rather, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. When you have a fresh start, when you begin to see things differently, when you have a fresh perspective, you then take a fresh approach. You do things differently than perhaps you've ever planned on doing them. You shift from my will, my way, my time, which is kind of how the Grinch thought, and you move into a relationship with Jesus where you see things through his will, his way, his time. I believe that's kind of what happened here to the Grinch. He saw things differently because he started over with the relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you start over with the relationship with Jesus Christ, you do things differently. And so his entire plan, his vision for what the Christmas holiday would look like changed. 
Now, here's the beauty in all of this. Let's, let's come full circle, all right? Let's come full circle. We talked about last week that, that, that if you are a kingdom seeker, you almost always are a kingdom builder. Like, you are, if you are someone who seeks the kingdom of God, inevitably, whether you realize it or not, whether you intend to or not, you become a kingdom builder. Why? Because joy. What do you find when you seek the kingdom? The angels told the shepherds last week, you're going to find some great joy. And when you have a great joy, a joy this world can't take away because the world didn't give it to you, people notice that joy and they want it. And so when you seek the kingdom, you find the joy, people want what you, want what you have, and you become a kingdom builder. Kingdom builders are always world changers. I believe this is exactly what plays out here at the end of this book. So the who's down in Whoville, I can only assume, were fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the Grinch could not take away their joy. He couldn't take away their happiness because he did not give them their joy. The world did not give them their happiness. So when everything was stripped away, it didn't matter because they still had Jesus, the thing that the world could not touch. And so when they stepped out that Christmas morning, they simply continued to do what I believe they had done day in and day out. They loved Jesus with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. And guess what happened? The Grinch saw what they had, and he wanted it. Isn't that cool? So I've, I've read this book for years. I've, I've heard this story for years, and it's always, always, always been how the Grinch stole Christmas. I'm not sure that's an accurate depiction of what happened. I'm fairly certain that Christmas stole the Grinch. He was forever changed. That's the beauty of this holiday. That's why we gather together in moments just like these, because it's our prayer, our desire for Christmas to steal every single one of you. And so I, I don't know where you are. I, I know we have a lot of new faces and names here today, which is amazing. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us. I, I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but I would encourage you today, right here, right now, to allow Christmas to steal you, to allow God to perform a heart transplant that we've all desperately needed. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for um, just the opportunity that we have to gather. I thank you for these kids. My goodness, that you have blessed us with the opportunity and the privilege to pour into the next generation of kingdom builders. I thank you for that, Father. Help us do that well. Help us Help us lead well, love well, and show them what it's like to build your kingdom. Father, I, my prayer here this morning is that there is, if there is someone who has not yet stepped into a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ, that today would be that day. And, and so, so with, with every head bowed and every eyes closed. We're going to do something we don't always do. If, if you want to make that commitment to Jesus Christ today, if you've done that, if you've said yes to Jesus, even if you don't quite understand exactly what that means, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Just put it up and put it down. God, be with us this week. Continue to give us the ability 
to be a light for you in this sometimes dark and lonely world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.